like to pay a couple respects to the people that made me what I am today. It's all my love. It's all my love. The quiet man. It's all my love. It's all my love. Dopamine, Jim. It's all my love. Welcome to the Soul Patch Podcast, the podcast where three expats discuss education, culture, and life on the Korean Peninsula. I'm Ryan. I'm here with my friends Jack and Kevin. Guys, how's it going? Hey, hey. good. Yeah. Mm. So tonight, um, tonight we've pulled together a few different subjects relating to how we adjust and how we've adapted uh, initially to our life and our lifestyles here in Korea and Seoul. Um, And to kick things off, I want to talk about a very common buzzy phrase, an idiom that everybody knows, culture shock. So when you hear the word culture shock, um, Kev, what do you think? Oh, what's up? We've got things happening <laughs> behind me. Sorry. Keep, all right, Jack, away. you're up. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm what up, I'm what up. do you think? What do you think of culture shock? Like, what does that mean to you? What do you picture? Oh, um, I, I think it's it's like uh, it's it's uh, over stimulus. There, or it's, it's too much stimulus in in your uh, uh, visually um, things that you hear. Um, you know, for me, it was the, uh, the, the initial culture shock, uh, for me happened when I, uh, left the, uh, Don Muang airport in Thailand and just saw this traffic that was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And this, uh, you know, kind of jungly looking, it just, it just a, a different planet. And so that, that, that too much stimulus, uh, and, and feeling overwhelmed by it is what I think they're describing when they say culture shock, but that's just my definition. That sounds yeah, so like, it, like so where, where like the excitement and the, the newness becomes too much, you said it's overwhelming. Exa- so everything it's a- is exaggerated. Uh, the, even the, for- the language is yeah. foreign and it just, everything sounds so bizarre that you feel like you're, you're just alone in, surrounded by people and all alone at the same time. And it's just a, it's a very strange feeling. Do you feel like, like for me, I mean, it can still happen when I travel other places just about mm-hmm. every year, except for, you know, now COVID stuff, but usually every year I spend a month or two months in a new country and it, it can still happen. I find that when I have that feeling, those peak experiences where you're overwhelmed, I feel like I'm more sensitive to other things like smells a smell mm-hmm. that normally wouldn't really bother me, but because my 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 brain and everything, I'm just receiving all this this noise. It's all turned up a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, that's for me. That's culture shock. It's like I can recognize that happening. It's like whoa, okay, I need to find a cafe. It's almost like spidey <laughs> like, senses or something like that, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it's like everything just gets like really technicolor, and it's like, yeah, maybe today is going to be an easy day. <laughs> I know, Kev, do you get do you get blown away like that? Um, I mean, I can definitely understand what you're saying, but I, I, I can't think of any time where I was like shocked where I needed to take a time out like that, where I needed like a, 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 to, 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 to a nap, put myself out. Yeah. I, I, I need a nap today. Um, like I can't, I can't handle or not that I can't handle, but, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm having a bad time, uh, dealing with you this You never right felt now. overwhelmed in, in that situation, like in a, a, a culture shock situation? I can't think of any specific oppor- specific times that I have. It's, I'm sure it, it so must t- have happened. So you tend to kind of lean into it, it sounds like. It sounds like maybe Kev, uh, maybe, you know, it, it affects people in different ways. I know some people, um, you know, after I had been living here for several years, um, I had made some friends that recently came here. And they came from a rural place in a country that's predominantly rural. And um, they were not, I don't know, I was going to say the word scared. They're not scared, but like they refused to take the bus for for months. Yeah. Just because it was the same way. Just because it's a bus. Yeah. And for me, that's like. Yeah. Well, I looked at that. That's why I didn't take the bus either. That was. Yeah, but for, for Jack, that's understandable because that's like 
before smartphones, you had like a paper map, right? I, I literally, the, the people told me this bus in front of our school in Thailand will go to the Bangke Mall. And, but you yeah. just stay on it. And I'm like, yeah, but what if it doesn't? And uh, then I just, wherever I end up, that's where I live now, you know, uh, forever. So that's <laughs> my new home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, since we're, we're also, you know, talking about Korea, let, let's, let's bring it back to this. So um, Kev, since it sounds like you had maybe the lighter version of culture shock, um, what would you consider to be the most surprising so we'll say light culture shock then what what was the most surprising thing for you initially when you arrived like give me something what do you what was like i mean there's unexpected. i remember I, I think probably food and or even something really small um it's the small things that i think are, are more interesting um i still remember when i when i first very first got here i got picked up from the airport from the the ones i met at my my hagwon and she took me to my apartment and she's like, here you are. And I'm just like, this is, this is crazy. I've got my backpacks on and everything. And I just stroll into my apartment. She's like, stop, take off your shoes. It's like I jumped into the air. Oh. Like, oh, shit, sorry. Um, and, and that was just like a small thing. Of course, I knew that, that shoes aren't a thing here. And actually, my, my apartment, my, my roommates back in, in Flagstaff, we had a no-shoe policy. So this should have been easy for me. I grew up I with just, a no-shoe policy my whole it, life. It makes yeah. sense, actually. Yeah. When I yeah. go back now and I see people wearing shoes in their apartments back home, especially with carpet, it's terrible. I know. It's so, it's so, it's so disgusting. It's really bad. It's um, weird. Just weird. Yeah, yeah it is. So, so that was like a really small thing. And then I think just a couple days later, there was the first kind of shake that our company went out on where it was um, like uh, nachi soup, uh, squid soup. And I still remember, you know, like they, we come out and the soup is on fire in front of me on the table. And I was like, that's cool. And then yeah. they like drop a live squid on top of it. And I'm like, that's less cool. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I still, I don't, I think like that was very surprising. I've only been here two, three nights, something like that. And it was just like, whoa, there's food dying in front of me. That's weird. Yeah. They, they eat um, live, live, live fire, live fire and live animals on the table. Yeah. Like, the live fire is very cool. The live animals is a bit of <laughs> um, But I don't remember how I handled it. I think I just was like, all right, so rice. <laughs> um, no, I'm sure I actually had some of the soup, but uh, I, I, I don't, yeah, I was just like. Hmm. That's, a, that's a pretty dramatic meal to start off with you know what i mean that's not like a bibimbap or a, a kimbap you know roll that's I want, a, now, now that i think back to it i wonder if they were like let's take the foreigner out to something kind of crazy oh, it's definitely, just definitely with his head. man there, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's definitely what's going on i got the same i had almost the same drill it wasn't um i wasn't working but i had a small community of guys that i was you know i knew were in busan hmm. so it was the, I arrived at like 2 a.m. So it was the, the first night after. So I don't know anything. And they took me out to, um, I recommend it. If you're in Busan, I haven't been down there in a couple of years. I think it's it's probably, hopefully preserved. Uh, it's called Chungsapo. If you go to Hyundai and you go to the, I guess, was that northeast end of Hyundai Beach, like, um, you can't take the subway there. You got to either take a taxi or it's kind of a long hike. Um, but anyway, you get out to this little uh, area where there's uh, all rocks, kind of like the breakers. Isn't that what they call that? Where the waves crash. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah. So yeah, in the in the warmer months, the um, kind of pojang matcha type restaurants, like uh, tented um, restaurants, they'll take their tables and just set them outside. There's no umbrella, anything. You're just sitting outside and it's, you know, it's fire. You're sitting next to the ocean. You can see the lights of the boats bobbing on the horizon, squid boats right. out there. Uh, yeah, it's just awesome. So they took me there. Um, and it's the chogegui, which um, is uh, like shellfish. Like, like mm. What do you call it? Clams and stuff like this. Uh, so it's really beautiful. You got this big spread on the fire, all these shells, you know, it's, it's exotic looking. And that enough, that was impressive enough. It was just cool. It just kept bringing all these shells. Uh, what are the ones called? Uh, Garibi? You know food better than the, I do. The, the ones, oh, for anybody that doesn't speak Korean, that's the ones that look like mermaid bra, you know, Ariel. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Right, the like, mermaid bra, yeah, what yeah, do you call yeah, those right, things? Right. Scallops, scallops. Yeah, scallops. I can't think of the word. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they look really pretty on the fire. And 
so I thought that was kind of a meal. And then very quickly, someone uh, shows up at the table and they've got an eel that's been skinned and chopped into like, you know, four inch sections, three inch sections. And they dump it on the fire and it starts dancing. I mean, this meat's coming off the, off the grill. I mean, it's literally like still twitching. <laughs> And it's people are like you know kind of fighting to put it back. <laughs> yeah. No, cook, die. Kind of, God. Yeah, that that was my my squid nakchi like old jingle kind of experience. Mm. And I was like, wow, I've seen. I think I've seen this on TV somewhere, but never. Yeah, Jack, what was your like most memorable like first meal or uh, thing like this? I, you know what I I remember were uh, this is this is back in two thousand one, and uh, at the time there was there were these. Um, they're still I think they're still around now, but. Uh, there are, uh, what do you call them? The, like a all-you-can-eat meat buffet. Um, that was like the, oh, yeah. the thing at that time. Uh, there was even a restaurant called Carney Station that had all-you-can-eat uh, Brazilian Galbi and bulgogi and stuff like that. Oh, okay. All-you-can-drink beer and all-you-can-drink whiskey for 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. oh, no. 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, no, is right. <laughs> that you, you yeah. You've hit the nail on the head, but uh, it, it, it comes back to like the, the convivial nature of Korea. You know, the eating and drinking is so important yeah. to them here. And mm. that is the thing that I think I appreciated the most because there was nothing like drinking some soju and eating galbi together with your workmates after, you know, on a Friday night and just how like silly and funny everything got and just how happy I felt at the time. I was just like, I yeah. am so happy sitting here on the floor I'm a big guy too. I'm six, eight, you know, two, two, over two meters and sitting on the floor is not uh, usually a fun experience, but it was, I love sitting at that long table with a lot of people drinking soju, eating galbi. Um, though, I have some of the best memories of those times. Yeah. The, the communal, the communal aspect of um, well, life here in general, but um, especially dining, that was really surprising for me coming from Chicago. So in Chicago, I had a routine where it was a couple nights a week where I would go and have dinner by myself. I was a very busy guy at the time. I, I love cooking. I just didn't have time for it. And so it was just these two nights a week. I always hit the same place. I always ordered the same thing. And I brought my notes with me because I was a student and I, I ate my dinner. That's and a totally normal thing coffee. And I, yeah. And, right. I, and I studied for a little bit, enjoyed my cup of coffee, you know, that's what you do. So when I arrived in, in Busan, I didn't, need to be doing anything like that but i still had like some i had objectives right so i had you know the desire to you know read take notes do things of course i can go to a cafe like you know a coffee shop but i just i'm in my own routines i couldn't find a place i couldn't find a place where i felt comfortable eating alone it seemed like so many places yeah even if you go to a place like kim up chungguk which commonly you know you can go you can eat there by yourself very rarely will you see someone else eating by themselves. It's Very usually rarely. with at least one friend. Yeah. Yep. I was at Kimbap Jungkook or Kimbap Not. I came up something pretty much every day when I first got to Korea solo for lunch. That was that was me alone yeah. every day anyway. Well, th this yeah, is like, like me in the I corner remember... over here, you in the corner there looking at each other. <laughs> Probably. Um, I, I remember uh, I, I used to live near uh, in Shincheon. Uh, if you guys know the, the uh, Hongdae area, Shincheon mm, is near Yonsei Day. And, and uh, my apartment was in the middle of Shincheon. So like there was a nice. bar underneath my, my apartment and a bar underneath that bar. And then three bars next door and three bars across the street and just bars everywhere. And uh, I forgot what the point. Oh, so, uh, but I remember going there for the first time to Shincheon at night and it was like Las Vegas. It was lit up like a Christmas tree, yeah. you know, festooned <laughs> with neon. And I was like, oh my God, this, where I've arrived, you know, Mecca, like this is the best place on earth. Korea is awesome. And we went in the first bar, empty. <laughs> it's just nothing, yeah. <laughs> nobody there. Went to another bar, empty. And that bar had partitions. So not only was it, they were like glass there was glass between the tables so you you it's it's built for one group to come in and drink together and to not be intersect yeah. with another group and I'll, yeah. so i was like well oh okay so this is this is not what it appeared on the outside you know from from the street it looked like 
it was just wild Las Vegas, you know, kind of a, a place. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, and that's, kind of a fun. Cool, that's a kind of a cool yeah. thing. That's a cool thing in Korea, right? Like in um, not just like in a bar or a pub, but even a lot of restaurants and it can be any, um, I don't know, any caliber of restaurant, you'll find places, it's pretty common. They'll have uh, like a party room or multiple rooms, or there'll be like a little bit of segregation among the, the your ability to be segregated if you, if you want to. Like I, I love be, it for uh, Noribang, like for singing, singing rooms yeah. were the greatest <laughs> sure. thing. I, I love them. I, I, yeah. I still love them. I still yeah, love them. They're amazing. Oh, it's so, it's stupid fun. Just so stupid much fun. better than a karaoke bar. Oh, it's, it's just, just chaos. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's very different from a karaoke bar, like like black and white. I never really enjoyed that. I got dragged on stage a few times back in America. Not my not my thing, but Norebang, I don't know why. I guess it is because there's there's less uh, people there that you don't know. I don't it's know. It's less but shame. I, just, I, go, yeah. I go nuts. Just... I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's something great about order, it. Order yeah. chicken and sing a song. Just get some yeah. fried chicken and sing along. Um, <laughs> so I want to I wanna shift a little bit. I want to talk about... Um, uh the the community that you arrived to so not the one that necessarily you have today or whatever grew out of it grew out of your experience of living here but when you landed on the ground so i talked a little bit about this in i believe the first uh the first podcast we did i arrived in a funny situation because i had a friend here um who had been here for more than a year. And what I didn't mention in that one is that he actually arrived when one of his friends had been here for a couple of years. So there was this group of people that I arrived to, uh, arrived, arrived to. So I had a pretty easy going of, you know, if I couldn't figure out how to do something, I could always just call someone. Um, there was, it was never, it was seldom alone in that first um, like six months because of that community. Uh, Kev, you had mentioned something about a mentor. Oh, I would kind of, yeah. So I didn't come here knowing anyone at all. So I didn't have that like feeling of, of comfort, but I got really lucky because um, the Hagwon where I was working, there was one other foreigner there and he was a Gyopo dude, James. Um, and I still keep in touch with him. Actually, he's back in the States now, but we're actually, I've been in touch somewhat recently now that I've got an Apple device and, and he's got Apple devices, so we can, we can talk easy. <laughs> but um, uh, I got really lucky because he's, he's Gyopo, so he understood Korea and he understood Korean as well. Uh, I remember actually talking to him because we were out at like Kimbap Jungkook one day for, for lunch and he's like, oh, it's, it's comfort food, kimchi jjigae. It's like my mom used to make. I was like, that's just weird because this is, I mean, I love it. It's kimchi jjigae, but it's not comfort food for me. It's, it's not tomato soup and a grilled really. cheese sandwich. So, yeah. Yeah. so, so yeah. he was, he was very, um, and he'd already been here in Korea for a bit less than a year, I think, you know, uh, at the time when I arrived. So he was already familiar kind of with the culture even before he came here. And then he'd been here long enough to, to really understand what was going on. And he and I being the only two foreigners that we worked at and really in our entire neighborhood in Mokdong at the time, there was like five foreigners total. You knew them like walking across the street. It's like, oh, there's that, there's that dude. Oh, there's that guy. Oh, there's that girl over there. You know, like there's the few of us in the neighborhood. It was a very, very small group. Um, so it was really just James and I. Um, but it was, I got really lucky because we didn't have anyone else, really. Um, he had a couple of other friends, but not too many. Um, and in the neighborhood, no one. So we'd finish work and we'd go out to dinner together almost every night. Um, he was doing martial arts here at the time and he's like, Hey, do you want to come with me? And I was like, sure. Awesome. What the hell? So I started doing martial arts in Korean when I spoke no Korean, um, with him and he just kind of like helped translate it. And I just followed along with the punches and kicks. Um, and so he really like brought me into Korea when we're at a restaurant and he calls out like, Tokyo, you know, I was like, you can do that here. And he's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's how it works. <laughs> you know, like, so, so I was able to, to learn some Korean from him and learn like basic things and so he kind of just pulled me into the culture and explained things and made it seem less weird than it was as well I think so that he Jack. really made Korea that first year comfortable for me so James, yeah it's yeah thing. that's that's like a I feel in some ways I mean I had a great experience but I can see like that being 
better in a lot of ways because you're you have someone that that's kind of relying on you also so you build like you know a real bond you got a brother right away that, that's oh yeah we cool. yeah we were he'd, he'd call me half the time because he was just bored at night you know like i don't know anyone yeah but but he had he had that's some cool. people here as well but not as many i think that's the yeah. jack that's how about the, you the, yeah i i think um i i i know that there are tens of thousands of friendships that came out of hogwans you know what i mean it's like just there i think like ryan you didn't have the hogwan experience right yeah you, there's something there's something unique about it just th they become your your friends uh for the most part i've known a few people that didn't connect with their their uh, co-workers at a hogwan but uh more often than not you're you know, the people you work with are the people you go out with on the weekend and you become friends. And uh, even if you're not, uh, uh, I don't know, um, uh, you know, totally alike, you know, but you might not have been friends otherwise, but you're put in that situation where you're oh, kind of, yeah. I think, like I yeah. said, uh, I, I don't know if I uh, said this or not, but it, like Korea is kind of insta-life. Insta I think I said that in the first pad, uh, podcast was, uh, and, and, and the Hagwon is like insta-friends. You, you, you've got yeah. a friend network immediately and you've got a place to stay and you got a little coin in your pocket and uh, the subway system to take you anywhere you want to go uh, in the city. It's a, it's a pretty awesome, you know, deal that, that was available yeah. and not many people know and about it. it you know? It's, it's, it's worth uh, mentioning that again, uh, again, for listeners, the hog one, if you're not familiar with this, you can look it up. It's a very famous system here of basically tutoring classes that are outside the public school system. So think They're of like institutes, the piano lessons you got when you're a kid. Yeah. yeah. But and note that there's hagwons uh, for everything in Korea. We exactly, most of us are exactly. teaching English hagwons, but there's I think I remember hearing rumors of Starcraft hagwons when I first got here. And I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Sure. If, that if would not surprise sure. me at all. I thought pizza school yeah. was so, a hagwon for making pizza, but uh, I was wrong about that. <laughs> it really so should there's, be, there's, actually. Yeah. There's, the <laughs> there's a distinction between the hagwon and then the um, public school system. And I think that usually people look down a little bit on the hagwon and then higher on the public school system, public Definitely. school system. You, you tend to get your paychecks on time, things like this. It's a little more organized, <laughs> has a little more stability. Um, and Hogwan, obviously anybody could really run one. So there's obviously going to be a spectrum of good ones to bad ones that you might find a job at. But I think what Jack just said was really interesting about making friends in that place. And I was wondering, I'm thinking, cause maybe that's something that is unique to the Hogwan and, and not public school, because in a public school, from what I know, uh, you are going to be the foreigner there. You're not, and the other teachers you're working with, most of them are going to be much older than you and you're not sharing a similar experience. Whereas at a Hawkwan, you might be working with other people that are foreigners sharing a similar experience and other Koreans that are at a mutual age to you. So it's more of a, I think it's a little more of a, a little party. Right. I, I think that that, I think the sense? public school is kind of like a, uh, if there's a hierarchy, I would say it probably is ranks higher than the Hagwan and that people go transition from the Hagwan to the public school. They feel like they've right. a, an upward. But I'm saying that on the hierarchy. on the other hand, I'm saying on the other hand, like the the benefit of mm -hmm. going towards like working at Hagwan is that you have probably a, a faster social integration because there's going to be just more of a hundred percent newbies how, how big was the hug when you were at jack when you first came uh, I think the how first one people? i was at there were probably eight of us something like that okay. kind of like right in the middle you know it wasn't a small one and it wasn't a, a monster uh it was right, just uh yeah. You know, I mean, the, the thing about a hagwon you have to remember is it's private education, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a money-making operation. They're, mm -hmm. it's a business. They're trying to make money. And so, you know, and, and in the public school situation, it's, it's just that the money has already been allotted. Like nobody cares. It, it's not, it, it's just a very different, it's not like, oh, you're going to teach another three classes that we can cram in here um, because we were able to pick up 15 new kids yeah. uh, last week or whatever. And, uh, and so, but, but if I were to advise someone, if I had a, a nephew who is, my nephew is a, just a baby, but uh, 
uh, fever, uh, 22, just graduated from university and, he's, and he was looking for a cool experience, I would totally point him towards the Hagwan, uh, not a public school. Um, because you're just gonna make those friends with those people immediately. And they're also probably new, they might be new to Korea or they might have six months under their belt. And it'll be the perfect introduction into all the cool stuff that you, you get to discover when you first come here. But it's probably also needed, an easier yeah, you know? job if you're if you're just out of uni and you don't really know what to do at a public school. You might have to to do your own lessons, things like that. Whereas in a hog one, most of the time, it's just done for you. It's like walk yeah. in, you don't even have to think. You just you know take right. Yeah, the, yeah. The that's that's out. a really good. That's a really good point. Like at a public school, you're gonna face things like audits. I mean that's 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 uh you're gonna have people doing observation hogwans will have some of that i suppose right yeah, but it could be a yeah. lot more a lot more loosey-goosey it's more about it's probably... more about the parents you know they'll have a parents day where they come and watch and that's when ah, everything is is, okay. is wired tight that day but you know your lesson has been approved <laughs> pre-approved uh everything's been cut out and and there's glue and tape and everything you need is there i mean those it's a it's a show you know for the parents it's it's advertising uh, in a way yeah you know? so um, it's more of a hustle too like the hogwarn thing's more it can be more of a hustle like it's um a little more flexible if you want to work a second job if you want to add it up when i was coming back to korea i didn't get i didn't go directly to chungang i had a I had a gap waiting for the school year to start so i had nothing to do and one of my buddies in busan he was just leaving his hogwarn it was teaching adults one-on-one -on -one, so it was really simple there's no instructions sure. really it's just a conversation for 20 minutes that's all it was it was 20 minutes and then someone else walks in and he nice. said he's like hey i'm leaving this they'll give you whatever hours you want do you want to do it and i was like yeah it was just like simple money and it's just a conversation with an, another adult so it's not um you're not dealing with behavioral issues like with children oh, man. and uh there's no curriculum there's no curriculum there was like yeah. nothing for there's no skills required it was just like sit down, have a conversation for 20 minutes, meet somebody cool, maybe, maybe not, and then yeah. get paid. So yeah. I did that for, for uh, I think, almost two months. So I did have a Hogwan experience, but not the classic type. Yeah, it's not the classic. The classic is probably, the you know, the six or seven, maybe 10 kids. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're, you're a new, the, the, when you're new, it's, it's, it's so terrifying standing there and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to kill the next 40 minutes. <laughs> anyone want to play hangman <laughs> you know that's like the, everybody goes the hangman first because that's the only thing yeah, you can think of in that moment you know it's like i got a whiteboard i got a marker we could play hangman so get ready well i, I wanted to i want to shift one more time here and this is kind of a bigger shift it's kevin said something that um triggered a memory for me uh you had mentioned going out for dinner with your your buddy and he was uh, Kyopo, so he was, and he was a little more, he had been in Korea for a while and he was just a little more um, uh, familiar with, with things. And he called over a waiter. So that's right. something in Korea that you can, you can do this in Korea. You definitely don't want to do this in, in most American cities. If you don't know this already, <laughs> you don't want to shout, yo, order over here. You know, yeah. that's not a, that's not a cool, cool thing. I, mean, I, now, I, I want to do that now, but I have to keep it back when I'm, when I'm in the States. Yeah, so that that's that's definitely a thing here that um, I I feel more comfortable with it now. I mean, I've been here for a decade, so I can I can definitely do it. It probably took me a few years before I could do it with the right voice. I, I would still I'm like making you like, do it because you're still really like yeah, yeah, <laughs> like hoping that they're gonna gonna hear you. So I think it's yeah. really funny. Yeah. It's Minnesotans. I, I it's impossible I for us. We we can't do it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> twenty years. I can't do it. I, I yeah. I feel just yeah. You're just kneecap horrible with, with when I do guilt. It. Yeah. 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 It's like uh, Yogi Yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to right. have the booming, have have the booming voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's from it's from the abdomen. You know, you really got to shout to cut through the din of the of the restaurant. I, I have the, a quick aside. I was just wondering if you got. Th mm. I remember this. I, I went when I finally did go back to America after living in Korea. I was at a gas station and I handed the money with two hands, just like a weirdo, you know, I was just doing, yeah. I just got in the habit of like two hands to give something and kind of bowing a little bit. I bow, I bow when I go yeah. back. Oh, yeah. I just reflexively bow all the time. 
And I must I look give like the now. weakest, most you know, timid person, just always, you know, bowing and uh, at the Seven Eleven, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and and I yeah. and I just want, was wondering what the guy in at the gas station in America was like. Why is he hold? It was I was kind of holding my my arm, you know, holding my hand under. He's like, he must he must think my wrist hurts or something. So I have to like <laughs> hold my you know wrist up as I. Uh, He's got weak know. wrists. Yeah, it was just yeah, very strange. When you're in like Gary, Indiana, yeah, it just doesn't doesn't translate the same way. I remember when when I came to Korea, um, I had no familiarity. This is this is this goes back to culture shock, but also etiquette. I had no familiarity with this. What Jack's talking about with the bowing. I mean, you hear this, you see it on TV and stuff, but um, yeah, th these behaviors. I mean, in 2021, these things are not the same as being in America. The firm handshake—you really just don't. I mean, they're shaking hands here, but it's it's not the usual firm handshake type of thing. And you'll experience that. It's kind of an awkward interaction. It's yeah. The bowing, right, you the see, like two adjushis holding hands walking down the street. That's not a gay couple. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. You know, yeah. those are a couple of buddies. You know, and they're yeah. Uh, There's more know, skinship the that way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. The the one that I remember, um, oh, I always tell my students this when I start like with the freshman uh, classes, as it's such a funny story. I I had uh, someone was giving me. It's like right. I'm gonna use my iPad for this. This is a bad example because it wasn't an iPad. It was it was just a piece of paper. It was a one sheet piece of paper, and they handed it to me with two hands like this. Right. And it's a very, you know, your, your shoulders are square. And it, for me, I'm thinking like, you know, what is this thing? Like, you know, the Holy grail, you know, it's like, I feel like, you know, I'm going on a quest, you know, <laughs> something like, the, you know, it's this, this sacred paper, the sacred document, like, you know, yeah, the parchment. Yeah, was like, was um, this is the worst that you could do. I, I did. I broke this uh, uh, etiquette rule. Um, it took me a long time to, to be respectful with paper. I, I did this thing, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at a table and I'm just throwing the paper and it's kind of sliding in, in front of the person. Oh, and then the next tossing person, the paper. Yeah, I'm tossing the paper. <laughs> and uh, that's a big no-no. That's a middle finger to, you know, everybody there. Yeah. I, I did that. Uh, I got some dirty looks for that. I, uh, I stopped doing <laughs> that. But uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, yeah. It's very strange. Yeah, some, of the, some of those behaviors, you, you don't know that you're being rude. But once you learn and you begin to understand, I think it creates a lot of sympathy for future experiences when you meet someone else that's maybe on the street in Milwaukee and or LA and they're not maybe they're not just, they don't have the same background as you. Like, I, I feel like it's given me a lot more, um, a lot more leeway with, with people. Like, uh, yeah, I feel the, the etiquette here is different enough that I made enough mistakes <laughs> to right. kind of wake up to, to realize that, hey, you know, not everybody's going to behave the same way as you. Like eye contact, that's a, that's a big one. When I was working in Chicago, um, there was, this is a true story. There was a student who was referred to me. I was working as a school psychologist. So there was a student that was referred to the office and uh, because the student was new um, to Chicago, to the school, new to America. And they were very, the school was very worried. The teacher was very worried that the student was super shy mm -hmm. and wouldn't make eye contact, right? Oh, and I see where this is going, yeah. You already know the story because, yeah, because you're a teacher and you've been international. I mean, this now makes sense. Yeah. But this was all professionals in a major U.S. city. You know, these are people that have been working there for a long time, working with, you know, they didn't, they didn't see this. Um, they referred the student to me and I didn't see it. I was like, well, there was no problem when we were, um, after we started talking for a little bit in the office, I was like, I, I couldn't suss anything out. It seems like a cool kid. Yeah. Or is it happening 12 year old, right? Just got a little language issue. It's not that big of a deal. He's, he's dealing with it. He has no problem with it. But as you're already assuming, 
it's a cultural thing. You don't make icons in his culture. Did it click for you at that time? Or did you put this together like years later when you? No, I didn't. It did not click at that time. I, I was working as a resident, right? So mm-hmm. my uh, practicum. So um, everything I'm doing in that situation was being referred to um, the psychologist that I was mirroring, right? So I had the meeting, I made my, my report, you know, and I'm off to the next thing. And then it was sometime later that week that I was talking with her and she just kind of laughed at me. She's like, yeah, <laughs> she totally understood. She's like, yeah. yeah, just send the kid back to class and explain to the teacher to leave him alone. <laughs> like, well, you know, I mean, the, these kinds of things happen at the, you know, at the, the governmental level, you know, I mean, the invasion in Iraq yeah. without even having, you know, the expertise to understanding the, you know, uh, the culture and not to make this political or anything like that, but I'm just, I, I think we oh, yeah, but that, that's overlooked kinda, that stuff, you know, like uh, even yeah, at the highest level. I, uh, yeah. That, that is a massive digression from a topic, but I think it's relative to the benefits of, you know, getting off of, you know, getting out of your own hometown and seeing the world and being able to look back and understand, you know, where you came from, not to sound like we're all wizened or, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. But there, there is a value. There is a value. I, I feel that. like I, uh, I, I feel like I cut my teeth though with, if we're talking about like culture shock and adaptation, I cut my teeth in Thailand and then Korea was, was easier, you know, cause that was the, you know, the second time that I had been through that, I, I didn't feel the culture shock necessarily here. I felt, I felt mm. way more relaxed when I came to Korea for the first time than I did when I went to Thailand for the first time. But I'm pretty sure if I had come to Korea for the first time before going to Thailand, I would have, it would have been equally uh, kind of shocking to me. And so I, I think yeah. it, I, I think that the more you travel, you you're, you're chasing the dragon in a way, you know what I mean? Like you're, I think yeah. the, the people that love to travel are, are chasing that first travel experience where they were like, I'm on an alien planet and this is the coolest thing. And it's, you know, all my spidey senses are uh, tingling. And uh, I feel yeah. like, you know, uh, this, I feel like a million dollars. It's, it's a great feeling, but it's hard to, you have to kind of up the ante, I think, right. To get that feeling back, you have to go more extreme with your, with your travels. Yeah, right? I, I see this. I see this with so many foreigners. That and that's not me. I'm it's not, not a, it's not all, it's, it's not all, it's not all, mm-hmm. but I see it with so many foreigners where they're like, yeah, so uh, this winter break, where are you going? You know, and you got, you got the, some people that, you know, they, they're, they're in it for like the luxe vacation. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go down to Bali and I'm going to get, you know, this really nice, you know, hotel, whatever. And then you got these other people that they just keep, they, they push a little too far. It's like, you know, the first year they're going to like, they're like going to Bali. Across okay, Mongolia cool. and yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like yaks in Mongolia. Hey, I'm going to go to Afghanistan. Just check it out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, not the area where the Taliban are. The Taliban aren't there. There's, it's a different area. Totally. You know? So don't worry. <laughs> That'll be cool if I meet them anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. No, the Taliban's next year. Right. Yeah. You know, you got to one up it. So no. yeah, uh, but, um, we're running, yeah. running a little low on time. I wanted to touch one last subject before um, logging off here. You know, we can actually uh, tie this over to um, the next podcast, but I did want to talk about ad- adapting to becoming a teacher because I think, uh, Kevin, you had some experience teaching professionally in America. Jack, you didn't teach at all in America, right? The only teaching I ever did was, uh, I, I, I don't know if I told you guys this, I, I was a basketball player in high school. I got a scholarship to play Division really? II basketball in university. And then Dude's I, got like so many stories. I, <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> I, I went down to player? Division III, but uh, it, as a basketball player, I did teach like kids camps and stuff like that. So I was, you know, um, but wow. I, you know, I played center. So I, it's, I couldn't really teach dribbling. I, I'm not a you know, point guard or anything like that. A I was tall a, guy playing center. And I, I know, isn't guess. it weird? Yeah. Why would six, eight playing center? That's yeah. really strange. Well, maybe in the NBA, it would be, it'd be, so, it'd be so a little you, bit on the short ex- side, but yeah. So Jack had some experience with like crowd control. You you could control a group of Right, like, I could entertain a, gr- you know, a group of kids like that and yeah. keep them, it's, yeah. it's wrangling cats, man. So, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So, you, but, so you weren't like a fish out of water. I had a background um, uh, parallel to teachers in public schools, but the work I'm, I ended up doing in Korea is nothing like that because it's not working with um, 
younger students with behavioral problems and that's sort of, you know, corralling. And then Kevin, you probably have the most familiar teaching experience prior to coming to Korea. Like yours, yours linked the closest, right? Because you were teaching at a university. Um, well, yeah, well, so first, remember, I was teaching at uh, teaching Hagwon kids before I came to Korea with that. Hagwon. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right, too. I was but thinking about my actual job. Experience. I was yeah, I was teaching all through grad school and in my my last year of, of undergrad as well. So I've been teaching for I was, I was in a classroom in front of a classroom for four years before I came to Korea. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this is why I steal all your lessons. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> <laughs> he actually, second well, I mean, like, yeah. I, yeah. I, it's I really mean, my I only professional job. Like Ryan and I have talked about this before, and this would be a topic for later as well Is how do you yeah, go we'll back? Be. We'll talk to about teaching this. Um, uh, because, you know, like we've been in education forever. So like, if we wanted to move back, well, how would we go? But for me, it's like, I've only done education. That's the only job I've had other than the bullshit college jobs, you know, like working fast food or working at like a big box market or whatever like that. But like my only professional career in my entire life has somehow been teaching. Um, so it's, it's cool. So I like you, teaching, but I have no idea what did else. Did you I feel... Did you feel like a major adaptation to your teaching technique, style, uh, needs when you came to Korea? Was it like a whole new thing? Was there many, many of your, many of your skills were you able to just import them? Was it like, oh, I can teach here in America. I can teach here in Korea. Well, I mean, my first year I was at a hagwon with little kids, which I was not used to because I've been teaching at a uni for the last few years. So that was really strange. It's like, especially at a hagwon, you know, like you're not really teaching it's it's entertaining with alphabet yeah um uh -huh. it, it, it's it yeah i think i remember actually at one point like eight months into my year and actually doing a lesson i walk out of it with the class and i was like i actually taught them something today holy hell like, i felt really good about actually teaching um so so that was was less so but once i got into the uni actually my first uni job one of the first one of the reasons i think i got the job was because i was responsible for a public speaking class which is what i had been teaching in the uni in the States for the previous four or five years. So it's like that just transitioned. So I just was doing more or less the same thing uh, there. And of course things have had to change a little bit. And I mean, just over the, over time, I've figured out what works and what doesn't as, as you have as well. Um, and now, I mean, we're not yeah. teaching content either. So that's, that's a different thing in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of refining that goes on with, the with at least for myself with my current job career that's a lot of refining like i feel i feel like it's, it's before covid and doing now do, we're doing everything online uh temporarily but prior to that I, I felt like i had my basic class really dialed in where there was never an issue of feeling nervous on stage or anything like this or knowing like you know you, you know when, when you have a lecture that's so uh refined when you're asking those rhetoric questions you're just ready for all the you know you're making your little jokes your little lines you know yeah. the feedback that's coming before it even comes out of your mouth you, you know like how the ball's gonna bounce you I've just told, i've told people this job is closer it can sometimes be closer to a stand-up comedian than mm in that yeah. you ha you're using sure the same material that. and you've got, I'm, I'm telling the same joke that I told on, on Wednesday that I told on Monday, yet- Because it works. Well, it's right, but material. then by like Thursday, <laughs> it loses a little punch at the, it's, I, you know, your timing is like, there's, there's a sweet spot there, somewhere in the middle of the week where you're just like hilarious. And then you don't get that, yeah. uh, the, the laughter that you got because the seventh time you tell the, the same joke that you did maybe the third time. It's very strange. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I used I used to I used to set up all my schedules um, in blocks. I'd like to have more days off uh, off campus than on campus. So there was a, a period of time where I would just work on Mondays and Wednesdays. But it was a crazy schedule. So I'm teaching every single possible period um, on Those campus. Are some long so, days, man. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, I, I would do it if I could. Really though. I, I love that. Yeah. You gotta love Red Bull too. Red Bull and a lot of <laughs> a lot of Americanos. But the my my point was gonna be regarding uh, reusing content. I would have a day like on Monday where I'm teaching five consecutive uh, classes. Each class has a 15 minute break in between, and sometimes you gotta change buildings, right? So you're running five classes that starts at nine o'clock, 
a.m. finishes 4.15 p.m. The first class, they don't get the best lecture. You would think so because I'm super fresh. I know. But it's not the best one. It's usually the 10.30 and the noon. Those guys, they give me our best reviews. We have the best time. That's like peak Ryan right yeah. there. Those guys. And then the 4.15, I feel so bad so bad for those guys. They, they get the, str- <laughs> they get the strung got, out, Ryan. You only have so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you must feel just shattered at the end of a day like that. You know, you're just like, I can't even think, yeah. I, I, you know, just yeah, get me home. It's it's something I did it a couple of years. Well, I did it for quite a few years and I, I've gone back and forth to it because there's a major benefit. Uh, obviously I was setting myself up for four days consecutive off. So if I was doing a lot of like um, cycling trips at the time, uh, that was the big reason initially. Sure. So if I wanted to go bike to Busan, I could, you know, on a weekend, but yeah, you're paying for it. And eventually it just got to be a little too taxing because on Wednesdays in order to pull this off, I would actually work also Wednesday evening. It's where uh, I saw you on campus. That's right. So that's it was right. 9am yeah. to like 9pm. I'm a psycho. And then too. what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've been riding two hours on a bus to come another, teach a class. It's two hours, you know. Another um, masochist. Yeah, <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun. Um, um, oh, well, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, we could wrap it here. I uh, I think this topic about developing as a teacher, and also I really want to take this conversation towards. Um, Uh, language. We talk about that just briefly. I know that listeners definitely want to hear about um, adaptation and both the difficulties and the fun and uh, the awkwardness and um, the vast differences between uh, English and Korean. Um, Obviously, also as language is the core reason that we are here. Um, It's kind of the backbone of everything. So uh, I think think if you guys are cool uh can we save that for, for next uh oh next absolutely week? I'm, I'm very interested in in uh in digging into your you know your 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 style of teaching as well the, i think that would be really interesting um to, to 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 go deep on that too so let's save that for uh, a future podcast for sure yeah. yeah and actually that's that's a good way to put it like um so for people listening the three of us we've all worked for the same university for uh, Kevin and I were on 12 years, Jack, what is it, like 30? Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Yes, I'm, I'm 82 next yeah, month, so, so yeah. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so um, Kevin and I were on the same campus. Jack is on a different campus. So he's, he's just outside of Seoul. So Kevin, I've seen, you know, weekly for, you know, a quarter of my life. And we've shared a lot of ideas about um, lessons and uh, classroom control um grading i mean pretty much everything jack we've talked a little bit but mm-hmm. i feel like there's more i want to learn about you i'd love uh, to tell you guys about you like just, what teaching yeah. uni was and, like you know 15 20 yeah. years ago it was different exactly uh than what it is now yeah. and uh and i think that it's better now than it was uh you know 20 years yeah. ago and it's my understanding that when you were teaching uh prior to 2009 when we showed up, the objective, the actual like scripted objective of the course mm-hmm. was fundamentally different, wasn't it? It was specifically like a, it was... for uh, the, uh, uh, what do you call that test? The, the TESOL? TOEIC, sorry, TOEIC exam. Okay. We were teaching the okay. listening section of the TOEIC exam. So you, it was, the teachers had to be uh, intimately, uh, you know, understand uh, the, the, you know, TOEIC exam and, and the process of, of taking the listening test and uh, how the answers are. Uh, there, there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole, like, it's, it's more of like a, it kind of a hacker's kind of, th- you know what I mean? Like there are some tricks that they yeah. use in this test and kind of like taking like a, an SAT cla- course in America before you take the SATs. Far out. Far yeah. out. Well, let's, let's, let's save that. Sure. Let's save that that discussion maybe for next week. Um, and then we can also go into like uh, Korean language as well. Uh, we can talk about what English and Korean language. Oh, man, I would love um, to hear your guys uh, a journey. Uh, mine is a very short one. So uh, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be asking a lot of questions. Short that day, long probably. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we've got three great examples for the listeners because three very different um, Almost like archetypes of foreigners, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I really, I really think so. so let's there say is that. an let's archetype of, of, of me that, yeah, of, there, there, there's those of us here that are like me. I'm not all alone. There, there, we're, we're troglodytes. You know, we live under the ground, but uh, we, no. you know, in caves and things like that. But uh, no, you gotta come out and get some vitamin D, man. I, I know, I know. <laughs> get, I've got a whole solar panel up here that uh, you know, <laughs> ready to go to work. So yeah. Anyway, right. yeah. Well, um, I'm I'm gonna call it for tonight, guys. Uh, for everyone listening, you know what we gotta say. Don't forget to hit the subscribe on YouTube. Hit the like button on the videos. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, you can find us on all the major platforms: iTunes, Stitcher, Amazon Music. Um, Stitcher? I don't even know what that is. Uh, if you really want to help us out, leave a leave a review in Apple Podcasts. I know that. One. That's huge. That really um, helps us a lot. Yeah, that's it's 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 yeah. enormously helpful. Yeah. And it's really helpful for like my ego. So like throw it up there. It makes me feel good. I really appreciate it. Um, or shoot us an email anytime. If you guys have any ideas for topics or questions you want to ask us, our email is the soul patch at gmail.com. And that is the T H E the soul patch at gmail.com. If you have anything you want to ask, and soul, soul like the city S E O U L. Yeah, I'm not doing a good job of this. Yes. <laughs> so, the pun, you got to get the so pun in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it even a good name for this? I don't know. Um, anyway, that's it. Take care. Uh, we'll catch you next week at the patch. Good night. Adios. Later. Bye. I'd like to pay a couple respects to the people that made me what I am today. Got here. It's all my love. It's all my love. The quiet man. It's all my love. It's all my love. The brain. Hey, Bobby. Let the bass go.